welcome again, everybody, and we welcome those who are listening via the podcast and that are joining us via Facebook Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, if you want to grab your Bibles and uh, find the book of Philippians, if you will. I kind of like the funny that Brother Greg Moore says, well, you can open your Bibles to anywhere you like. But I'm going to be in Philippians if you'd like to join along. And I'm going to begin a, a conversation for us that uh, we'll start this year off with. Um, and then we'll just see how, how the Lord leads us and unfolds it um, uh, over the coming weeks. But just as we get started here in a brand new year, uh, 2022 is going to be just an, a marvelous year for each and every one of us. And uh, something that, again, that came out at the New Year's Eve services when we were all at the Irondale campus is that expect this year to be a year of the impossible being possible, right? So expect this year to be, and we've been saying it kind of like this, it's the year of the possible, but what we mean by that is the impossible, right? Not what you can make possible, But those things that are in your heart that seem impossible, God will make possible. Amen. And so just to to kick that off, you'll hear me say that throughout the the year as we walk it out. But as we prepare for a year of the impossible being possible, what's just been on my heart uh, probably since October to talk about is, is people. Right? Um, you know, how many of you, if you, if you're like me, you know, you've grown up in church or you've been connected in church and you hear a lot about purpose, but ever heard a good purpose message. Anybody did when it was popular some years ago, what was that? The, the purpose driven life or the 40 days of purpose, or you got to find your purpose. How many of you have taken some kind of a gifting test at some point at a church somewhere to help you find out your thing? And all of that kind of stuff. So, so please hear me. None of that is wrong. So I'm not, I'm not bashing on that or picking on that. Uh, but I want us to talk about people, right? Uh, because before we pray and saying, God, what would you have me do? I think it's more important that we've identified who are we doing what for, does that make sense? Because one of the things that we come across in church, I, y'all have heard me say this before, you know, uh, there's always the, the, the big three, the big yo mama uh, prayer request, and they're all good, right? People are either believing God for money, for some kind of healing, or some kind of relational restoration. Anybody ever notice that that's a repeating pattern in all of our lives, right? In all of our lives, we have these things that repeat. We either need some, need some funds or a new job. We need to get over whatever is trying to stick to our bodies and we need somebody to act right. <laughs> right? You know, you know, and, and, and sometimes we get that that, 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 that somebody is me, right? I mean, um, <laughs> right. But there's all these things that, that go on. But once we kind of can get a moment in life where we look and go, you know what? All the big three are okay. I'm good. I have noticed that the very next thing people pray for is, is Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Why am I here? 
right? What's my purpose? What's my call? What's my plan? We have these church terms that we say it. But I want us to talk and walk out that before we ask God what, we need to have identified who. Who is the what for? Right? So with this, I told you to go to Philippians, and then I need you to go to 2 Corinthians in just a minute. But I'm going to pick up in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writing, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Isn't that neat? You know, when you read through Paul's prayers, I've so far found about seven of Paul's prayers in the New Testament. This is one of them. And I'm always intrigued that Paul is never praying for what? He's always praying for who? Right? Right? I've, I found this interesting. Paul, that I can find, rarely prays for himself. <laughs> right? The only kind of time I've seen Paul ask for prayer is, is I believe it's to the Colossians church. He says, hey, pray that a door of utterance would be open so I can talk to somebody else. So even then, that prayer of Paul's for himself, it wasn't about him. Right? Paul was always outwardly focused about who. Does that make sense? So here Paul says, I, I, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this way for you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the communication of the gospel." Now notice that. Look at that verse real quick, verse 7. Just as it is right for me to think this of you because, what did he say? I have you in my heart. I have you in my heart as much as I have you in what I'm doing for you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Guys, this morning I, I want us to talk about this. Who is in your heart. Do you know who that is? Who has God put in your heart? I told you, go to 2 Corinthians. And as always, Holy Spirit, help me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, this is interesting. Chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians are about the the most complete and best instruction we have on giving in the New Testament. If you ever wanted to know what New Testament doctrine was on the subject of giving, here's the two chapters you need to study. But giving is not what we're going to talk about today, even though that's okay to talk about. But right in the middle of this conversation on giving, I find this very interesting. In verse 16, Paul writing says, but I thank, thank, but thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Isn't that interesting? 
Thanks be to God who put the same heart for you in Mm -hmm. Titus. Mm -hmm. Here we see again another example of God putting people in our heart. So again, I ask you that same question. I'm just going to repeat it all throughout the morning. It's rhetorical for now, but over the coming weeks, I'm going to make it a little bit more personal because I'm probably going to slide up next to you as we gather and kind of nudge you and go, so who's in your heart? So be ready for me to ask the question, hey, who's in your heart? Who, who's in your heart? Who has God put in your heart? Amen. Do you know who they are? Can you see them right now today? Right. Some of y'all look, y'all, y'all look at me like a cow at a new gate. <laughs> Amen. Guys, this is one of the things I've noticed over modern church Christianity. Uh, I've seen more people that themselves are in their heart more than anybody else. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. Hello. Because that makes sense. Right. If you, if you could get an honest answer. Out of, out of a lot of Christians, and you could say, who's in your heart? They would go, me, <laughs> right? The unholy trinity, me, myself, and I are all in my heart, <laughs> right? Because if we listen sometimes to modern-day Christianity, it is all about me. it's about me. It's all about me, right? How is God going to bless me? Mm-hmm. How is God going to take care of me? How is God going to provide for me? Mm-hmm. What does the gospel do for me? Right now, please hear me. Those things are true. So I'm not bashing anything. Will God take care of you? Yes, absolutely. Come on. I, I got my, only my wife is helping me here. Okay. <laughs> Will God take care of you? Yes, absolutely. Will God bless you? Yes. Yes. Right. Will God show great love and mercy and kindness to you? Yes. Absolutely. You know why he does that? So you don't have to worry about you anymore. Makes sense. You know why God takes such good care of you and I? So I can forget about Brad. I'm going to go talk to this out of the room. Y'all all right this morning? Yeah. Amen. So, so I don't have to worry about me no more. Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have to be concerned about Brad anymore. Because Jesus is concerned about me. He cares for me. He provides for me. He will take care of me so that I can put my focus on those he would put in my heart. Amen. Look at this. We'll continue. Paul again, back here in Corinthians, he says, But thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. Now, in good old Alabama speak, it says the heart for Titus for the Corinthians was so great that Titus went on his own dime. Titus paid his own way. As I've been thinking on this and connects with us, it's interesting that once Titus knew who, what just appeared. Does that make sense? Yeah. Once Titus knew who was in his heart, what needed to be done just showed up. Mm-hmm. And he was so committed to it 
that he just took care of it. Amen. Does that make sense? Again, you don't answer this question necessarily as a kind of rhetorical, but how many of you, again, you're hungry to know what you're here for? You're hungry to know what your calling is, what's your purpose? Why am I alive? Why am I still here? What, what, what is God's plan? What does he want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Those are great questions. Those are good questions to ask. Yeah. I'm becoming more convinced that it'll, you'll find the answer faster when you can say, Lord, who? Mm-hmm. Who am I here for? Who have you put in my heart? Because once I can identify who, then what and how just show up. Does, does that make sense? A, a, a little bit, and, and I encourage you to go see it. It's, uh, you can, anybody like TED Talks? Mm-hmm. Anybody a TED Talk person? I'm kind of a TED Talk person. I like TED Talks. So you can go find this. It's a great one. It's a TED Talk by a man by the name of Simon Sinek. Now, fair warning, he is not a believer. right? I don't think he's necessarily anti-Jesus. He's just non-Jesus. Does that make sense? He's just, he's just not a believer, but he's got some great thoughts. But he, years ago, he did a very highly watched TED Talk called uh, Start With Why, mm-hmm. right? He's in this whole little thing. You can look at it. I think it was the TED Talk that was out of like Seattle or somewhere like there. If you go find the video on YouTube, he's standing there and he's got like one of those uh, big paper tablet, not a whiteboard, but like one of those paper tablets that's real big and he's doing... And he talks about, and this, he wrote a whole book on it, which I've read the book, and it's a great book as well, called Start With Why. And in this, this talk, he talks about the golden circle of marketing and sales. And in this thing, and I won't repeat it here so you can watch him, he says, people don't buy, like monetarily speaking, they don't buy what you do or what you sell, they buy why you sell it. Right? And in one of the analogies he uses, he uses Apple and iPhones. Right? And he talks about how, why do people stand in line for hours to get the new iPhone 9700? Right? <laughs> right? And they're willing to pay now. I mean, how many of you, when the, when the iPhone craze started and it was like $300 for a phone, you were like, what? Anybody else like that? <laughs> And then it went up and it was $500 for a phone. And you're like, what? And now the other day, the iPhone, well, I don't know what it is, the iPhone, whatever. Yeah, there you go. The iPhone 13, whatever it is. That's the young people there. And now it's like, what? It's like 1000 or $1,100. And you're like, what? $1,000 for a phone? Have you lost your mind? Right? No, they, you know what? We might sit back and say, well, but you know why people do that? Because they want to be first. They want to be trendsetters. Right? It's, it's why, how many of you, I mean, I know I got a couple of them here, so this is a shout out to, to Grace and Eliana. How many of you, you're a Starbucks coffee drinker? Right? Now, of our older people, how many of you are like, you paid $5 for a cup of coffee? Anybody else like that? <laughs> you, you, you know, we joke, you know, we don't call it Starbucks, we call it five bucks. Because that's, that's about the average price of everything you're going to buy is about five bucks. Right, but you you know uh, Starbucks's little promo, if it's still the same after years when I looked at it, is it says we sell culture, not coffee. <laughs> Do you know why people pay five dollars? They're not paying for coffee; they're paying because they like to carry the cup with a little siren on it. 
and at Starbucks, and we went and we hung out in the cool hip space, and it was, so see, people buy why before they buy what. And in this little video, Simon Sinek talks about if you can identify why you do what you do, then what and how just kind of unfold. I would say it now, and for the sake of our conversation, if you can identify who, who are you living for? Who? Because if you can identify who, then what and how will just make sense. They'll just appear. Does that make sense? Are y'all doing all right this morning? Here, in, in, back in Philippians, let's see if I can find it. It kind of just popped into my mind here, so I might need some help. In Philippians, I want to say it's around the second chapter, where it says, Paul says, I was, I was in old King James, he says, I was in a strait betwixt two. Somebody help me find that verse, please. Where are we at? Is that Philippians? Somebody have to Google it. My phone's being tied up. I know. Can I can look up and Google for me? Where's it at in Philippians? It's the verse where Paul says, I was in a strait betwixt two. You got it, Kevin? I'll wait. We're racing. Oh, here we go. I found it. Ha <laughs> Y'all are slow. Holy Ghost is faster. I know. <laughs> All right, it says here in, in Philippians chapter 1, back there again, and we'll start around verse 21. It says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. Now I'm needing new King Jimmy. He says, For I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for who? You. You. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Y'all hear what Paul was saying? If, if you, kind of the backstory on this. So Paul is there. Paul is writing to the Philippians from jail, right? He's writing from prison, and he's writing under basically a death sentence. Mm-hmm. He was told, we're going to kill you, mm-hmm. right? So now Paul, so how many of you, anybody ever been in death row? Nobody? Anybody want to volunteer? <laughs> no, no. You know, so here's Paul facing literally a death sentence, He's in jail. He's going to die. How many of you would be praying? Mm-hmm. Anybody be praying if you were in jail and found that you were going to die? How many of you are not going to answer anything I say this morning because you have no idea where I'm going? Maybe right? we should turn the heaters off. Maybe we should turn the heaters off, get some more motivation going. I don't, but, um, but, you know, many of, you know, if, if, if we were in a modern day, you know, and it was me or modern Christian, and they said, Brad, we're going to kill you. Right? Get your stuff together. You're going to die. I'd be on Facebook. Oh, please, everybody, pray. <laughs> Can we start the prayer chain, right, and get people praying because they tell me I'm going to die, 
Right? I'm not going to make it and I, I want to get out of jail because I don't want to die. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that would not be, have you know, all, all of a sudden that would not be an unspoken, right? That would not, <laughs> would not be an unspoken prayer request. It would be very, but I find it interesting for Paul, right? That Paul says, hmm, I got an opportunity to go be with Jesus, which is far better. But man, it's better if I stay here for you. Can, can I just be real transparent? Sometimes I've wondered if why people don't receive what they're praying for mm. is because they have no who that they're staying for. Mm. <clears throat> Their prayer request is for themselves. Mm-hmm. Remember in the warning in James is we have to be careful about just praying for our own selfish desires so we can spend it, it says, on our own lusts, right? Instead of praying for the needs. Does this make sense? Are are you with me? See, Paul here, he, he knew who he was staying for. He knew who he was believing God for deliverance for. He was saying, hmm, it's better that I'm here for you. So I'll believe God to be delivered, not for my sake, but for your sake. Does it, do you see how we're kind of painting the picture? Paul knowing who, he knew what to pray for. Paul knowing who, he knew what to believe for. Paul knowing who, he knew what to put his faith on for. Right? Who has God put in your heart? Do you know who they are? Now, again, to answer some of this, obviously there's some obvious answers. Right? So somebody help Brad out. Brad's a dummy. Okay? So who are my... I'm picking on me, and it's okay, because I can't pick on them. Right? I can't... Right? I'm not going to be like some of those people. Other preachers call the people dummies. Have you ever noticed that? Preachers, y'all a bunch of dummies. How can you be so ignorant and still breathe? Ain't I can't tell you how many times I've heard preachers say that. So I won't ever say that about you. I'll just say that about me. How does that sound? Amen. So sometimes Brad's a big dummy. So help, help a dummy out. And who are the obvious people that my heart should be for? My spouse. <laughs> yep, my spouse and my children. Huh? Um, you're helping me. Thank you, Say. She's helping. That, that's true. So we know the obvious people, right? Right? If you're married, it's your spouse. If you have children, it's your children. If you have the blessing of grandchildren, it's your grandchildren. Miss Eloise here, she's got great grandchildren. Amen. That's an obvious one. Hey, it's for, it's for the great grandchildren. What a legacy to be able to. So there's some folks that it's obvious. But guys, do you realize that even for the obvious people, you have to let God put them in your heart. Mm-hmm. Now, I lost some of you right there. You have to go to God and say, Lord, help my heart, put my wife in my heart. Come on now. Put my spouse in my heart, put my kids in my heart. Let my heart be inclined towards them. Lord, help them that they're in my heart. Now, some of that, how many of that sounds weird to you? 
But you're like, you're like, Brand, that's just, that's stupid. Because that should just be natural. That should, and a, go to Titus, if you will. Here's an interesting thought from Paul to, the, to the, his son again, Titus. And here's another one I wasn't thinking about today, but Titus. Is it in chapter? Yeah, here it is, chapter two. Right, this always gets people nervous when you start reading in Titus chapter two. But this is, this is interesting. Titus chapter two, verse one. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound teaching or doctrine, that the older men should be sober and reverent and temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience. Now notice this verse 3, that the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to wine, teachers of good things. Notice verse 4, that they, speaking of the older women, admonish the younger women. Now what does the rest of that verse say? To love their husbands and to love their children. Now here, the, the topic of discussion today isn't the roles of men and women in life, and I think we'll talk, need to talk about that at some point. But I think it's interesting here that, again, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, writing to Titus a pastoral letter, and says, hey, listen, tell the older women they need to teach the younger women some things, and the first two lessons they need to be taught are how to love their husband." Now, some of us stop and go, yeah, because you ain't married to him, right? And Lord, teach me, right? I mean, some of us, I mean, that's kind of, we kind of look at that and go, yeah, because the, the, we could be doofuses, right? I mean, and so we could, but, says, but also teach them how to love their children. This one phrase tells me, now, and the love that he's talking about there is the love of God love. How to love with the God kind of love. And it's interesting that here Paul says, hey, remember that loving God or loving people with God's love is something that is learned. Yeah. It is not something that just comes by nature. Amen. Are y'all with me? Yeah. So that is what tells me that there has to be times, even though I do love my wife, I have to say, Lord, I'm coming. Make sure she's in my heart. If I've put anything else in there that would crowd her out. And I'm just using this as a bit of an example, right? That even when we look at things that are obvious, we still have to say, Lord, this person, I want them in my heart. Right? I'm going, I was just about to thank you. So, so we, we were at a, at a leaders gathering last night. We were talking a little bit about some of these things and, and the thought came out of my mouth that was totally by the Holy Ghost because it never crossed my head before. So I'll share it with you. How's that sound? But we were talking about things, and again, talking about what? And, you know, you get to the new year, and there's all these, well, what do you got? what's your resolution, mm-hmm. right? Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to improve X, Y, or Z? What are you going to do, Brad, to improve your marriage? What are you going to do to be a better dad? What are you going to do to lose those extra pounds? What are you going to do to save that money? What are you going to do, right? What are you, you going to do? And what, 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 maybe getting all the what's, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. Every year, comes back around. You ever wondered about that? And this is what came out of my mouth yesterday. We were talking about this. I said, you know, I have learned to be committed to Selena, not committed to my marriage. 
Does that make sense? You know, I've seen all kinds of people who've been pastoring now 20-something years, and I've seen all kinds of people who were committed to the concept of marriage, but they weren't committed to their spouse, and they all ended up divorced. Every single one of them. Because you can't be committed to a concept, but you can be committed to a person. And if I'm committed to her, then I don't have to worry about my marriage. Because if my heart is for her, then what needs to happen to be a good husband to her will make sense. Right? Because I can look around the room and I see a lot of wonderful wives that are here. But I ain't married to you. Right? Does that make sense? I'm married to her. And there's things that she likes that you may not like or you may not care. Does that make, I mean, does that make sense? But if I've learned to be committed to her, if my heart is for her, then what needs to happen for Selena will come because my commitment is there for Selena. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Amen. So it's who before what? Who always precedes what? Mm-hmm. And in our current culture, we've got everybody looking out for what? And they're on the hunt for what, but they don't know for who. So they run out and they try, as they all are doing now. They try all kinds of stuff. And then it runs out of gas. Mm -hmm. You know why it runs out of gas? Because they don't know who they were doing it for. Mm -hmm. But if you know who your heart is for, then when what gets challenging, because how many of you know? What can get challenging? Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. What can, you know, I love that. What can turn into hard work in a hurry? Have you ever noticed that before? You know what I mean? That all of a sudden you're plowing along and this ain't fun no more. Yeah. <laughs> you look up and you go, we ain't had fun in a few days now. Yeah. Right? Because it turned into work. But when you know who... It helps with those moments. Guys, mm-hmm. here's another spiritual principle for you that runs throughout the kingdom of God. That provision always follows commitment. Always. In the kingdom of God, provision always follows commitment. Again, to keep talking about marriage, it's why marriage is set up the way it is set up. Right? There are provisions that come from having a good marriage, right? Again, not, I mean, I look around and my, my kids are here and this, this is okay. I'll use the biggest example of one because it's all throughout our culture. Is sexual fulfillment is a great provision of marriage, right? But it follows commitment. And the reason why, I forget, I forgot it was you, I think it was Cosmopolitan Magazine about 10 years ago. They did this big poll and they were going to see who was having the most and best sex in the culture. That was, their, that was their discussion. And I remember reading through the article and they were shocked at who was having more sex and better sex in the culture. And it was committed, monogamous, faith-based relationships was beating everybody like a tied up goat, (laughs) right? 
And they were stunned because they thought it was the swinging, single, all the stuff that is put up. That was all going to rock. And they were standing there with hard data from talking to thousands of people. And the only conclusion was, is that if you're in a monogamous, faith-based, committed relationship, your sex life is off the charts. Well, that's simply they discovered what God told us in the word, that provision follows commitment. Does that make sense? Salvation. There's some great benefits to salvation, like heaven. How many know heaven's a pretty good benefit? That follows commitment. Do you see this pattern? This is the same. When we can commit and we know who God has put in our heart and we are committed to the who God has put in our heart, then the provision of what am I here for? Why am I alive? What should I do next? What should I do about this? It all just comes up because provision follows the commitment of who. Does that make sense? So as, as I'm just going to land the plane there, so this, this beginning of this year, and we're going to unpack this in greater detail in the coming weeks. But I wanted to start for prayerfully having you guys consider who has God put in your heart? I want you to start with the obvious, right? And look around at the obvious relationships that everybody would go, yeah, that should be there. And then look at yourself and go, and if they're not in my heart, then I need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm making room in my heart for my wife, for my kids, for those that are obvious. Can I add another obvious? Each other here as a church family. That's a fairly obvious one, right? We've all, we've all kind of thrown our hat in the ring here as a church family and say, this is our church home. This is where we gather. Well, then I want us to look around and say, Lord, then these people here, put them in my heart. I hope you know you're in my heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? You're in Selena's heart. Right? But I want us to be in each other's hearts. Right? But then I want you to ask God for anybody else. I love this. The other kind of category is, is like Titus had a whole people, a whole city of people, the Corinthians, in his heart. Ask God, man, do you have a city of people in your heart? Does that make, do you have a city of people? Maybe you have an ethnic group. Maybe you have a cultural group. Maybe you have a demographic, right? Again, you know, Selena and I were talking about this just yesterday when we were driving. You know, we identified, you know, we love young families. Not that we have anything against anybody else, but we love young families, does that make sense? If I can look around and go, who's in my heart? Man, yeah. I, I mean, I'm like Kevin. I have a heart for our, our men in this church, for husbands and fathers and young men who want to be good husbands and fathers. Man, you're in my heart. I'm able to sit there and say, that, that's my heart, right? Young families are our heart. Who's in your heart? And, and this is what, you know, because normally at the first of the year, is when pastors get up, right? 
And it's a good time to kind of try to ring the dinner bell around the church. We need more people to serve. Anybody ever heard, you know, about January? You know, it's a new year. It's a new time to get more committed to God and, and, and join the kids' ministry. I mean, you know, and so, <laughs> right? Here, here's what I'm going to ask for you for this year. I want you to ask God who's in your heart and will you commit to them? That's it. Who's in your heart and will you commit to them? Because I know that as, as you identify that and you commit to them, we'll take care of each other. Everything else will work itself out. Does that make sense? And then just know that over the coming months, I am going to slide up to each one of you just in passing, no condemnation, but I'm just going to kind of elbow you like I do. I'm going to say, hey, Chris, who's in your heart? And I want you to be honest with me. If you can tell me, tell me. If you can say, I don't know, then just say, hey, I, don't, I have no idea yet, Brett. Awesome, man. I'm still praying with you then. Mm-hmm. But this is what I do know. I believe God is going to put people in your heart this year. Maybe for the first time. Maybe it'll be people <laughs> and be ready for this one. It might be people. And you're like, God, I really wouldn't care if I have that person in my heart. <laughs> uh, can you give them to somebody else, please? Right? <laughs> you, know, I love that. you know, that was kind of the apostle. Can I just, this all right this morning? Yeah. You know, that was kind of the apostle Paul's big problem in his life and ministry. Is even though he had all these people in his heart, he struggled with that. Because the apostle Paul was just a good old prejudiced Jew. And he just thought his nation was the bee's knees, the shiznit. They were all that in a bag of chips. And he just thought they were awesome. Uh-huh. And everybody else just wished they could be Jewish. Uh-huh. Right? And then Paul, and I love how God, and then God looks at him and goes, hey, I'm going to make you the apostle to the Gentiles. <laughs> <laughs> and then all throughout, and, and, and all of Paul, hey, and listen, can I, can I just be... Most of Paul's problems in his life was his struggle accepting who God had put in his heart. Because everywhere he would go, he would go to the Jews first. Because he really had wanted, but they weren't in his heart. And then he'd end up getting all frustrated and go, well, fine, I'll go talk to the Gentiles. And then he'd go to the Gentiles and churches would plant and miracles would happen and all kinds of grace would pour out. And then the Jews, Jews, he all stirred up, would come and beat the crap out of Paul, literally. (laughs) And most of Paul's problems were is he had this real struggle with, but God, I want somebody else in my heart. I want it to be the Jews. Why can't it be the Jews? Right? And so then Paul, and, then, and I just think, you know, God is like, um, God's just ornery sometimes. You ever notice that? God is, in a good old-fashioned southern way, God's just ornery. And I think he kind of just nudges Jesus and goes, watch this. Right? <laughs> I'm going to give Paul to the Gentiles. Give the Gentiles. This is going to be fun. Right? It's going to be so good for him. <laughs> right? And then he looks over and and just kind of for fun, I'm going to let Peter go to the Jews. Right? <laughs> the redneck backwoods fisherman from way back in nowhere, Galilee. Right? 
is going to get to lead his nation and become the preeminent spokesperson in the face of the dude who went to the Bible school of all Bible schools and was the Jew of the Jews. He just got, I, I know that's probably mean on my side. You just got to chuckle, right? You just sometimes got to chuckle and go, God, you just like picking on people. But I say all that to say this to you is be open and be willing because again, maybe God might put somebody in your heart and you'd be like, God, really them? Are you sure? I'm not so sure. Right. But if you'll just say, okay, Lord, whoever you want to put in my heart, put them in my heart. If you, if if you'll show me, if you'll put them in my heart, I will commit to them. And you may never, and please hear me, you may never, and, and this gets creepy, so I'm not saying this. I don't want you to walk up and go, Kevin, God has put you in my heart, so I'm committed to you, right? I mean, that kind of gets scary, right? I mean, you know, people are like, hey, this sounds like a cult, you know? <laughs> you know, just you and, you and God, you and God talking, right? You and God communicating, and if he puts somebody in your heart, you just, you and God say, God, I'll commit to them. I'll commit, to, I'll make room for them. I'll make room. We're going to talk about what making room looks like over the coming weeks, right? What, 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 what can that look like? But, but first, let's say, but who's in your heart, right? The obvious ones. And then ask God, is there, is there bigger than the obvious ones, right? Man, because I, I, I think God, there'll be whole families given to some of us, whole family lines. There'll be cities given to some of us. Demographic groups, people groups, cultural groups. And it's going to cause us to have to rely on him to say, God, you're going to have to make my heart bigger. You're going to have to stretch me. You're going to have to expand me. God, I'm going to. Does that make sense? Amen. So, Father, we just come to you. And, Lord, our prayer this morning. And if you'll just follow me in this as you will. Not saying that you pray this out loud, but if you'll just. If you're willing, and only if you're willing, you can agree with what I'm about to pray. But I pray this seriously for Selena and I in, in your presence. Father, Lord, show us who you want to put in our heart. Lord, help us see. Help us to know who they are. Show me their face. Tell me their name. Help me to lift up my eyes and see them, those that you're putting in my heart. And Lord, with your help, I'll commit. I'll commit to them. I'll commit time. I'll commit um, what you've given me. I'll commit my resources. Lord, I'll commit whatever is needed for their benefit. But Lord, my desire is I want to know who you've put in my heart. Who are they? Show me. In Jesus' name.